Hey everyone, welcome to the I Just Teacher podcast with Jess and Sabria. This is a podcast where you get a little snippet into the lives and thoughts of educators where we don't make the rules, we just teach here. Today we are talking about something that is super important right now that's going on. Sabria, what are we talking about? <laughs> so as just said, today's topic is an important one and we're going to take on the don't say gay bill. Uh, so this is a bill that's being passed in Florida that bans lessons about sexual orientation and gender identity between the ages of kindergarten and third grade. It also prohibits lessons in other grades unless they are age appropriate and developmentally appropriate, which how vague is that description? So we're going to discuss all the parts, what we think, what we are taking from this and let's get into it. Let's look at the bill in parts. So the most prominent being the ban on addressing anything related to sexual orientation and gender identity in the classroom. See, here's the problem with that. And let me tackle this really quickly because, well, it doesn't even have to be quick, but I just feel like, how can you just ban something that is happening in life? You know, I feel like kids, everyone, literally not just kids, but everyone, they need to be exposed to all different types of backgrounds and all different, like the diversity of what life is, what America is, what, you know, all around the world is, you know, I feel like when you start to close off different specific groups, it really creates this narrow mind of everyone. It really, it, it closes so many doors for so many things for discussions. It's bad. I feel like those are some of our favorite moments teaching as well. Are those moments where we're just discussing things about the kids' lives because it's so relevant to them. Yeah. How are you going to get to know like all different lives around the world? I just, I just don't understand. Like, I feel like you and I come from very different backgrounds, even our, our para completely different viewpoints in so many things. And I feel like that's how we thrive is understanding different people, their ideas, their thoughts, how they grew up. You know, how can you just delete a whole group of people? Right. It's like you're not creating that space for those affirming experiences that are very real to many of our students. You're not allowing them to see families represented in books that look like theirs. So when you take those moments away, it almost kind of creates that they're, they're not able to accept themselves and their own situations as normal, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's not represented. So they must, they're thinking, well, you know, how come I don't see a family like mine in there Mm -hmm. or, or a kid like me in there? Um, we talk about representation oftentimes affiliated with race and culture and all those things like that, but it, it speaks to a whole different thing that we haven't thought about, which is gender identity for kiddos in kindergarten to third grade. And it's, it's a, it's a thing that happens. And if a kid, it's not necessarily about that discussion about sexuality, not sexuality, sexual orientation and gender identity. It's, it's not about that discussion. It's just about kids being able to see themselves, their families, their siblings, their friends represented in books that they see every day. So it's, it's kind of unnerving when, when people seek to take those things away 
and seek to not represent what kids real lives actually are at home. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we have kids, we have boys with long hair. We have girls with short hair. We have, we have a whole mix of things that don't fit into that traditional stereotype of what a boy or a girl should look like. I 100%. mean, I have fifth graders Wait, right now. Remember when we had that discussion with our students, because one of our boys was like, no, boys shouldn't have long hair. Yeah. And girl, it was yeah. crazy. It was so eye-opening for these kids. And yeah. imagine now not being able to have similar conversations in this right. kind of light, you know? Exactly. And I feel like kids can kind of figure out how to stand up for themselves by the books that they read in school. And if they see a character in a text who let's just use the same example, a boy who decides to have long hair and they see it in te- they're like thinking to themselves, maybe they're having a little bit of confidence within themselves. Like this is not something out of the ordinary. I am, I am who I am and that is okay. But that only comes with representation. Absolutely. So let me just add one more thing to piggyback off of what you said with narrow mindedness is that we're now also removing teaching children tolerance and acceptance for things that they don't 100%. necessarily need to believe in, but it's something that we accept as a community, as a society in others that, yeah, people are allowed to feel and act and believe differently than you. Yes. And that's okay because it doesn't impact you as an individual. You know, these are, these are people you live alongside and people deserve to live their happiest life. And that's all you should care about. And I feel like we've had so many discussions with kids, like, you know, worry about you. Are you okay? Are you hurt? Are you safe? So why are you worrying about other kids? They seem very happy. And it's like having those little moments. They're just like, oh yeah, why am I worrying about that? I don't really know. So, so the interesting thing with this bill is that, you can't ban peer-to-peer discussions that they might have. So if a peer might bring it up, if a child brings it up and maybe the kids are talking about it, you can't be like, stop right now. We can't talk about that. You can. Um, well, can you? Well, I think that that speaks to the language of this bill is that it's it's very vague and it's very unclear. And there are no guidelines of what to do when. It's kind of just these general rules that appear to be laid out. But so I feel like as a teacher, okay, these kids are having this conversation, but if I am kind of including myself in it, you know, where's that line? How do I monitor this conversation? What is okay for me to say? And it's kind of a blurry line as to whose judgment call it becomes. Is it the teachers? Does the school have a school-wide one that we follow a script to say? Mm -hmm. What, like, it's hard to kind of figure out now what to do in these kind of situations, right? Can you also speak to the experience of being a teacher now, right? And these are implemented on you and, and kids start having a discussion, what is your gut going to tell you to do support these children or shut them down and shut them out? I mean, honestly, I really don't know. I feel like because it's so vague, I have to make that judgment call, but Hey, what if what I think is right is not right in the eyes of a parent, you know, now the parents have all these rights now to sue whoever, whenever they want. And what if I thought that that was the right judgment call? What if the school thought so too, but I could still be quote unquote wrong, you know? And I feel like that's where it comes in. Like teachers are always very worried about what they do, what they say already. And this adds 
so much more to that plate. Yeah. So casually, I just happened to be reading an article. No, I'm just kidding. We were researching this morning and I read an article from boston.com and it spoke to this actually about this fear mongering situation that this is creating where teachers are scared to do anything. And then as a result, you're leaving kids kind of in the wind to figure it out and, and, or feel shut out by their classmates and by their teacher. And the reality is, like you said, apparently parents can sue for anything that they deem as inappropriate with, within these discussions. So it's a catch 22 because the kids can talk about it, but kids aren't always the best navigators of a conversation Mm -hmm. and get out of hand pretty quickly. What's the right way to facilitate that conversation? Exactly. Nobody's telling us. And you know, what's going to end up happening because teachers are going to be fearful is that they're going to just shut it down. And it's going to lead to kids feeling left out in some way or unheard Mm -hmm. simply because teachers are just scared. That's what I think is going to happen. A hundred percent teachers. Let me remind you all teachers are people pleasers. Most of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Not all. (laughs) So another problem with this bill and with what lawmakers seem to be saying in the news out loud, which shocks me that these people say these things out loud. It's honestly wild. Um, they're, they're kind of equating the discussion of gender identity with sex, like, come on. And I'm like, but they're talking about gender, you know? And they're like, yeah, I believe it was DeSantis's secretary, uh, was saying something like, like if we have these discussions, we're opening up kids to be abused because they will know about sex. Stop. No, you are not. But that doesn't that just show you like it just shows you that makes me so mad. The lack of education of gender identity. It's a gender. What you're doing is you are exposing differences in your community. You're you're building tolerance and acceptance for all different types of people that are you kidding me sex no that is not <laughs> where you're teaching let me say i teach about war is that going to lead to children taking out guns to try and you know create war with other people uh-uh it's just telling you about history it's teaching you what's been happening i also ironically this week i'm teaching about hiv and aids i'm sorry what do you think that leads to but honestly i feel like in this day and age like there's ways that you can teach all of this you know we had to teach hiv and aids starting in kindergarten you know right. but i'm not going to be like hey this is how the immune system works to kindergartners right. They're not going to understand that. So we have these lessons that you kind of have to, you know, lessons that are good for kindergarten, lessons that are good for first grade, second grade, all the way up to high school. You just need to expose the kids, but in different ways. Right. It just makes you think also of what do they think of educators in the classroom? It makes educators sound like we're, we're like some demon person. Yes. Like they're using words like grooming in reference to teachers. They're saying that teachers are grooming kids. And no, that you is- groom a dog. No, <laughs> you do. No, stop that. And it's dangerous when people who are making the laws have no idea what we do. And this is what happens is this they is make educators sound. Yeah, this is, it's wild. Like they think that we're just hopping up in a classroom and like, yes, they were talking about sex. Today, we're going to teach you how to have sex. We're going to teach you how to be gay. How do you 
teach someone how to be gay. I'm not even going to get on that conversation to make it a bit more clear. Let's let's do a specific example of an HIV lesson that Mm -hmm. you would give to a K student versus let's say a fourth grade student that you're doing right now. Great. So something that a kindergarten and mind you, these are all very scripted lessons. We don't really, I don't, I don't teach outside of the lesson plan that, that they give me because like last week, why do more work than I have to, honestly? Because apparently our back, the five minute lesson plan. (laughs) So kindergarten probably is like, what does it mean to be healthy? What does it mean to be sick? And what are germs? How do you keep yourself healthy? Wash your hands. There we go. Stop picking your nose, kids. Fourth grade, I just taught um, about immune systems. What is an immune system? How does your body fight off diseases? And then you might talk about the different diseases and how your body might fight them off. How might you fight? How might your body fight HIV versus the common cold? And so even though you're talking about the same topic, you're just getting a little more complex each time. As you go older, you might go into more of those detailed like things that is age appropriate for those kids. Exactly. To bring it full circle is this is how tailored it is to the developmental age of students. And we have a story that we can share because one of our kids, this is how little sex is involved, which by little, I mean, zero is one of our students sneezed and in the hallway, as I'm walking in the hallway with them, he says out loud as, so all the classes could hear him. Whew. I think I have AIDS. AIDS is tough. AIDS is tough. What a great, like he understood, he understood that having HIV and AIDS means that you're sick. It means that your immune system is weakened. And he took one of those symptoms of a weakened immune system and just applied it to HIV and AIDS. And, and that's what he said. So when you're talking about K to three, this is the type of information they're getting. The fact of the matter is, is all of our topics we are educators. We went to school for this. They will always be catered to the child's developmental age. It's never not going to be teachers are not just popping off in a K classroom. Like, Hey, you know, if you have this needle and you're literally drugs, you're going to get HIV and AIDS. Like that's not not what's happening. I don't know what you think we're rolling up in these classrooms doing, but it literally don't have that much control to do. Like, are you kidding? And that's the point. So now that we've kind of given some examples of lessons and things, things that are already in place in schools and your teachers are given scripts for and approved and so on and so forth. Let's get back to what we were talking about with exposure to, uh, gender identity, sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. So tell me in your view, what would exposure to gender identity and sexual orientation look like in K versus three? You know, it might just look like seeing different family dynamics within a text. I mean, earlier this school year, we had to, we were given books to do for um, our social emotional learning, I guess, curriculum kind of, but one of the books was called Harriet Got Carried Away and Harriet has two dads. Did we teach about it? No. Did the kids ask about it? No, but it was exposed. They saw a book that had a different representation. Essentially, the fact of the matter is, is exposure when we say exposure is not like what you think about when you see like tabloids and like all this crazy stuff. Mm -mm. Exposure just means they're given the experience. 
here is the experience. You do with it what you will. Most kids are so oblivious. They see it and they just move on. They just go about their moment, go about their day. Some kids ask a question or they say, Hey, that's two dads. It shouldn't be like that. There should be a mom and a dad. And there's a great moment there where you can say, Hey, actually all families are different. Some families have a mom and dad. Some families have two dads. Some families have two moms and some just have one, a mom or a dad. Mm -hmm. And it's a great teaching experience for a kid to just know that there's so much representation everywhere. Exactly. No two families are alike. And I think it leaves a space for kids to not always be so socially like aware because they're genuinely curious. I think that sometimes kids can just stay quiet because maybe they know most of our kids, let's be honest, don't know when they're being offensive to anybody, but those who do, it doesn't leave them that space to learn. If, mm-hmm. if you don't open up these conversations and, and, and they just want to know. And I think that some kids, they hear certain things or they see certain things and their, their whole interpretation of everything can be so skewed. But in school, if we're always, at least in our school, I can't speak to all schools, but we are all about tolerance, acceptance, mm-hmm. and loving one another and teaching kids how to accept others who are different than them. You don't have Absolutely. to be friends with everybody, but everyone has to be tolerant and, and, and respectful. And I think that that's what we're trying to make space for. And the best way is to expose them to all these different types of families. You know, I think that, you know, for one child, their normal is their own family. And for another child, their normal is their own family. But when you start to expose them to each other's families and other families, they're like, oh, well, maybe there is no quote unquote normal. Maybe Mm -hmm. there's more to this you know, and that's where inquisitive minds come. And I think that again, to go back to, to the representation, like, for example, I thought Harriet got carried away. It was this book about something completely different. This little girl, she just gets carried away with her imagination and so on and so forth. Like about penguins. Yeah. Like about penguins. Like it was bizarre, but like, there's just so casually this, these, this couple, it's two dads. And it's just like, that's cool. You know, like, it's just, it's just so cool to have representation like that. And I think taking things like, would they, like, I just wonder, would that be something that's removed, you know, because it's there Mm -hmm. and they don't want kids to be exposed to it, or is it okay? Because you're not discussing it. You know, I think that that needs to be made clear. And if it is something that they're going to be removing, then I think that that's dangerous Mm -hmm. because if we're purposely removing books that expose kids to the different family dynamics, they're not able to see themselves or even their own families depicted in a way that is normal and they won't see it. And what would that do? Lead them to think that there's something not normal about themselves or others. Um, and that goes back to what you were talking about with the narrow mindedness and small thinking, except now it's toward themselves. That's the kid who that is missing that representation in books, a lack of acceptance and tolerance for themselves, which that kills me. That makes me really sad. And like, what's the point of this then is your point to really make these kids feel this way, feeling not represented. The LGBTQ community is already like at a higher risk of bullying at a higher risk of, you know, suicide. And this is just going to make it worse, you know, feeling that they're not represented, feeling like they're not normal. That's really scary. It's also for those other kids. You know, if those other kids mm-hmm. don't see it, some of these kids, you know, they're not nice. Yeah. They may have and other they, things going on. And honestly, on, but... then they might also just not know any better because 
of yeah. things like this. That's, that's very true. I think also we've had so many kids who just genuinely didn't know. And we'll talk about this a little later, but because these discussions don't happen at home, we'll 100%. talk about that later though. <laughs> Let's pivot a little bit into another gray area of this bill which is that now teachers are required to report any changes with the child to the parent. So any changes could include the child says they want to be a girl and then they would have to, you know, use a different bathroom or whatever, any change at all with the child would have to be reported to the parent. They need counseling maybe because they're struggling with a gender identity or that would have to be reported to the parent, um, which, Rightfully so, these LGBTQ plus communities are nervous about, and they feel like that's pretty dangerous for a lot of our kids because, I mean, even though we are in 2022, let's be honest, there are a lot of parents out there who will would not accept that within their household, especially from young kiddos. A lot of parents don't believe that kids can identify or make these decisions at a young age. But what's also important to note, though, is that we don't actually have to report it if we feel like it would be a danger to the child, like if they were to go home and be treated differently. But like the thing is, again, it becomes a very blurry line, you know, like a school is a place. And I I would say for myself and a lot of other teachers, I am their safe space. We create a school community that feels safe for kids to say what they want, to, to tell us what they need. And this kind of messing with it, you know, like it becomes a blurry line because whose judgment call does it become when, you know, if, if a child were to tell me something in confidence and what if I think it's a danger, what if the school is like, you're right, but the parent does not, you know, if I were ever in a situation like this, you would always err on the side of caution because you don't want to get in trouble, you know, as much as I want to stick up for things. Like I also need a job and I also don't want to be on someone's blacklist. You know, I don't want to be sued for, I don't know how much money, you know? So it, it's very tricky. I feel like I would be very worried about saying anything. And like you said before, like, I feel like a lot of teachers are just going to shut down conversations that really should happen. The main thing that's coming from this, it's like a double-edged sword is that this bill is aiming to give parents more say and, and parents a voice within the schools. Um, the fact of the matter is, if we give parents this control, it's kind of, I'm going to say it, you're giving parents control only of what they want to control. So in my opinion, it's super hypocritical to do this for this specific topic, mm -hmm. because let's be honest, we've been put in positions and many, 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 many teachers have been put in positions where we're teaching kids manners, hygiene, social how skills, to eat, how to, how to eat. wipe their butts. Honestly, we've done legit, it all. legit. And Parents didn't mind when we were teaching those things, potty training children at school. People would say, no, we don't. Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. Even though it's not age appropriate, guess what? Here I am doing it. Even though they should be coming into school with these skills, here we are helping these kids figure it out. So I just think that it's, it's something to be said when we're cherry picking and choosing what parents should be teaching at home versus what teachers are allowed to teach and do like, I'm allowed to potty train your kid, but I'm not allowed to teach them acceptance and tolerance 
of people who are different than them. I just think it's a little, little hairy there. Come on, come on. That was convicting. I like that. Got chills a little, you know, but also on another note, like there are also a lot of different types of teachers, right? Like I could see why things like this come about because there might be different types of teachers with very different ideas. You know, I feel like for me, I try my best and you too. I know you do it a lot as well. You try and teach the child in the most unbiased way you can. You Mm -hmm. teach all sides so they can make their own decisions on what they think is right for themselves. Mm -hmm. But I mean, let's, let's talk about it. I feel like there are a lot of teachers that may kind of like swing one way or another, you know? I agree. And what better way to alleviate that or fix that than provide education to teachers to become this unbiased kind of person in kids' lives. But no, we're not going to put money into that. We're just going to cut kids off completely. I mean, and then, and devil's advocate, right? Because I I have to do it. Because this bill, let's say it was kind of in reverse. And this bill, as you said, if there is different types of teachers, may actually keep some kids somewhere in this world safe from opinions that may not be so Mm -hmm. unbiased. Because on the flip side, if you have a teacher who is, let's say, against gender identity, against sexual orientation, against talking about anything other than heterosexual relationships, what have you, who's not accepting of any of these things. You want that teacher in the classroom teaching kids, gender identity, sexual, absolutely. I don't, I don't have kids, but I sure don't, you know, because then, like I said, in reverse, they're teaching from that standpoint Mm -hmm. of maybe having an air of, Ooh, this is not right. It's not typical not normal. And I know that I know that there, this bill is problematic. I'm not saying that this bill is going to save or help anyone because it's just not worded in that way. But if you're thinking about the other side of the coin with not always assuming, since they're already assuming we're like horrible people. And I can't even like say what they think that we're promoting. Okay. I just teach about sex and (laughs) gay people and drugs, drugs, I mean, on the other side of the coin, it's really, it's really something to think about, right? Because you want to bring these discussions in the classroom, but I I do acknowledge that not all teachers are built the same. Mm -hmm. All teachers have that air of tolerance, acceptance, respect, love for everybody. Everyone's human. Everyone's different. There are, there are bad apples in every patch or whatever they say. There are bad apples apples everywhere. If you think about it in that sense, do you want that teacher who is low key, like sus about gender identity and sexual orientation? Do you want that teacher in kindergarten teaching about differences in others? Probably not. You probably don't. So again, that goes to what I said before. I think what needs to be thought about more by lawmakers is creating education on how teachers can be an unbiased person in that child's life. I think you and I, I mean, I'm very biased. I think we do that extremely well. We're constantly about about things we don't necessarily agree with or like, but we allow kids to explore and experience that. Mm-hmm. for themselves. I mean, I had a student, you know, who was like, I love Donald Trump and Joe Biden is cuckoo. And he's like in first grade, like, honestly, he has no idea what he's saying, but do you know what we did is we read books about Joe Biden and about Donald Trump and about different policies. Obviously it was meant to their grade levels. It was super simplified for them, 
But at least if they wanted to support but, Donald Trump, they had the evidence. Exactly. So what I was saying is it's clear it's clear that this child comes from a home that supports Donald Trump and he was told that he does. So he does because he's a child. But he asked such an amazing question and he was just like, you know, I don't agree with this one, like whatever it was, this one thing. He's like, but if I don't agree, does that mean I have to tell my mom? that I don't like Donald Trump. And I was like, no, you know what? You can agree and disagree with so many people and you guys can still respect each other. And he was like, oh, okay. Like the relief, he genuinely didn't know that you could disagree with somebody and still like them. He thought- Honestly, like what a teachable moment, like how much people America can learn from that conversation and understanding. Because was I like, absolutely not as a terrible person. No, I left, (laughs) but you, it's important to leave kids the space to make their own choices. Mm -hmm. And he read something again at his grade level that he felt was sus. And he was just like, no, Miss Santos. I think all kids should be able to have a home, whatever it was. I'm just giving an example. And I was like, okay, so you disagree with this one thing. And he's like, but, but does that mean I don't like he, the trepidation Mm -hmm. and fear in his voice and just explaining to him like that is okay to disagree with some things and agree with some things and you can still like them and to agree with things that from someone you don't like and you could still not vote for them or whatever the case it like he like the light just went on like he was just like whoa you can like he had no idea like how many amazing conversations can you have if people were just open-minded about life you know like I come back to this again, even though we just talked about in the beginning, but you are para and I have completely different viewpoints on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And we're able to sit there and have conversations at at the end of the day, still care about one another in respecting everyone's viewpoint. And that's okay. But you know, our para was saying that like, she's having conversations with other people about things and they can't get along. You know, what are you bringing up? If you're closing one door, it's going to close up that openness of conversation that you can have, you know? And I think that parents should really be concerned. And there's a lot of work that we have to do, you know, not only just as educators, but as people Mm -hmm. um, to really create like a positive and healthy way to navigate, you know, this really complex situation that we have. But the fact of the matter is that it's happening and kids are expressing themselves and we need to help them as a team, as educators, parents, all of us. That's the one thing, like if we could give advice on this topic, you know, Jess and I have experienced numerous things as far as gender identity, Mm -hmm. sexual orientation, and these kids are kindergarten, first grade, second, fifth grade. You talk about it. It's more common than you think. It really is. They're asking questions, but we are very lucky in a sense that I'm pretty sure all of the parents that we've dealt with when we're dealing with things like this that come up is it's a dialogue. What do you feel comfortable with? What do you want to address? Some parents don't feel comfortable at all. They're like, can you address it all? And then tell me what you said. <laughs> yeah, sure. And then I'll reinforce it. I'll, I'll do it. Too. Exactly. And then we'll literally make a script. And then Jess will send it off. He's like, here's what we said. Mm-hmm. And tell me if or you sometimes have any. They want to have the conversation with us. And that's right. great. You know? Yes. yes. But I, but I think it's important to understand that parents and teachers are not always as open. And I think that's where things like this come into play because one or both of the parties don't agree on how to address 
the situation. And, and the main concern really should be about the kid's happiness and safety. That's really where it should be. And I think when we make bills like this with connotations like this, with people who are then going in the news and saying things like they're making our kids sexual or open to abuse, I think that's dangerous. And again, like I keep saying it, but it is, it's very dangerous putting that connotation on teachers and educators, because a majority of us are just looking to help kids navigate Mm -hmm. this world safely with peace in their heart and happiness. There was like 13 rejected amendments, um, from this bill, but I think the one that stuck out the most, which made me the most disheartened is that they rejected for schools, like the department of education to provide information to parents on how to have these discussions. Some parents are just not equipped to have these discussions. And Mm -hmm. I get it. Like, okay. If the Department of Education, they're like, we don't feel comfortable. Bring in an organization that is experienced with things like these mm-hmm. to help parents. Because if you're not giving, if you're telling families you have to deal with it or you're discussing this at home and they're not equipped to, they need help. They need resources because guess what? Then these kids are just left to think mm-hmm. what they think Whatever or what their think peers their are telling them or what they see on TV you know, and that's, again, like it's, it's just dangerous for kids to have to navigate this alone. We're adults. So I think first and foremost, everyone, everyone needs to be thinking about is not their political stance on this issue, but they need to be thinking about what are we doing to protect the kids? That's that's what they need to be thinking. And I feel like that kind of rejected amendment just makes you think about the question, like what was the actual point of this bill? Okay, if you were trying to keep kids safe in in some way, shape, or form, I get it. Okay, all right. However, rejecting amendments like that, is there an ulterior motive then there? You know, and I just, all we're here to do, like you and I, educators, we're here to protect kids, help them have open minds, you know, help keep them safe. What are we here to change? You know, what is this bill here to change? Right, and I think the narrative right now is- what this bill is meant to do is give parents power over their children's education. Over whatever the heck they want. <laughs> and not of what they don't, let me tell you. Hey, I'll teach them about wiping their butts, but you don't. But you go ahead and teach them about how to be accepting and tolerant of. Except you won't actually have the pamphlets to help you. <laughs> not, and we're laughing, but because it's, it's ridiculous. Terrible. Actually yeah. not funny at all. We've been talking about this all day to prepare for this um, episode today. And I'm just like red in the face. And I feel like we both are It's interesting because when we speak to people on the other side of it, right. Who support this bill, but when we ask them about the minutia, like, so, so you just ignore the kid if he's in your class and they're like, well, absolutely not. And I'm like, well, that's what it is. You're not to address anything. And they're like, but we have to. And I'm like, think, think a little bit. It doesn't have to be black or white all the time. You have to think about that gray area. These are children. So if you're just like, okay, I'm not going to, I support this bill. Then you're going to go ahead and ignore that child. No, you're not because 90% of teachers came into this field to support and keep kids safe and Mm -hmm. to educate them, obviously. But you know, most of the time we love and give them (laughs) love all day. If you ask these questions to people who support this bill, it becomes very apparent, very fast that they don't agree with it, but yet they're very about that phrase that don't say gay. Like, so then what, what was it that they agreed with then? What they're agreeing with is that a curriculum shouldn't be made for kids from K 
to three, a specific curriculum regarding gender identity and sexual orientation. That is what they're agreeing with. But when I brought up the argument with this group of people that we were chatting with who happened to agree, I said, well, you know, what about this book that we read? And it had like two dads in it. Wouldn't that would be probably something like an exposure technique that you might use just to say like, yeah, everybody's family is different. They're like, yeah, that's totally cool. Like it doesn't talk about anything. I'm like, yeah, that's the the point. We tailor things as it's appropriate in kindergarten. Maybe they just see a book with two dads in it or, or whatever, or a boy who likes to wear dresses. We have so many books on that. They're going to take all those away. Why kids are different. This is how you expose children to differences in others. Mm-hmm, 100%. So I guess the question we're, we're leaving off with and we're putting out there and feel free to set it off in the comments is what is the motive? Is the motive to give mm-hmm. parents power or is there something else kind of wrapped up in there? I'm curious to know what you think what you if you're think. a parent or if, what you think if you're an educator. Um, feel free to email us or at our Instagram at I just teach here. Yeah. Comment on that too. Or comment down below on our YouTube. Just do the comment or also our TikTok at I just teach. So that that's it for today. We hope you all enjoyed this honest conversation about this very, very serious topic. And we hope um, you look into it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. We hope you do. And, and we're open to having another episode about it. Send us questions. Let us know what you think. Hello. <laughs> At hello, at hello and I just need your podcast.com. You so much. Um, we hope you'll tune into our next episode, which is talking about toxic school culture. And we'll go into all of that and what it entails because there's there's definitely some toxic things going on within the schools. So we hope to see you in our next episode. Bye.